1: there, Knicks fans. How you doing? Uh, It is another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. The Knicks are still standing, barely, and thus, so are we. Um, And (laughs) I don't even know how to introduce the pod anymore because of of everything that's going on. What I do know is that I am very privileged to have uh, this person as a regular guest. He's probably the most regular guest at this point, um chris eisman of north com. chris are you are you still standing i guess is the first question i'll ask you i am but barely i <laughs> so i so we were we were starting to, to chat a minute ago and we both agreed that this season has been emotionally draining our souls are have been have been beaten in a little bit you i, I mean for me I, I root for this team, so I have an excuse. What's your excuse, Chris? <laughs> it's just
2: been—it's just been crazy already. I mean, we're ten games in, and we're already having—you know—the front office come out and make an impromptu press conference, and the head coach is now on the hot seat already. And it's just going to get probably crazier and crazier as the season goes on. It's just been. You know, it, it, this is like, I don't want to say this is peak Knicks, but this is a very... Oh, you can say it. It's. It might be peak Knicks. Like, I mean, we're certainly, we're, we're on that trajectory. Um, we're getting there. It's already been that level of crazy. Because last year, like, things were pretty much, they were 1765, but, like, everyone kind of knew that they were going to be bad. Like, the expectation coming in was already going to be that, like, yeah, this is just part of the rebuild and that they're going to suck and then... You know, you will see what happens, what they can do in free agency. And then this year, it's just, it's. I expected them to win. You know, I, I ha- I'm i on record for saying that they were going to win 29 games. And now, like, I don't know if they're going to even get to that point. And Shit, so, I'm,
1: I think I said 33.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Like, it could have. I was anywhere between, like, 25 and 35. Like, I didn't really know what to expect from this roster. And obviously, the early results are not good.
1: Well, I, I'm happy you brought up last season because it's. It's funny because in terms of just organizational, like um, the the things that you would think have an impact on the organization, last season was calm, despite the fact that they traded away the best player the franchise has had in two decades. But I almost felt like, like everybody knew what that was that that was their bet. They made their bet. Now, obviously, they lost their bet this summer you know, I don't want to hear right. about Dennis Smith Jr. and and two future first round picks. They made a bet and they lost. Let's right. all call a spade a spade. But it's like, all right, this is what it is. It it's it's a thing that that they tried. Um some people I guess thought it was crazy, but most people were like, all right, you know what? This is for, for what they're trying to do and where they are, I get it. This see, this is peak next to me because like another organization, I I, I would think they would just come out and and fire the coach, but right. not here because here and this is where I re- what I really want to start with with you is like what what's going on here because we saw them chatting and let you I probably tweeted out a picture of them chatting it up at practice the other yesterday and. <laughs> Like Fizz gives a response. Oh, I have two and a half years left on my contract. He knows what's up. They yep. they ref- they didn't put a statement out on behalf of Mills. So it's like the non denial is essentially, you know that that writing's it. like, how can they go on existing in this state of I want to I, I guess uncertainty would be the best word for it. I don't know
2: it's it's very awkward um yesterday at practice it definitely had a strange feeling there's no question about it it was like fizz got done with us and then he went over and he talked to scott and steve and they were you know yucking it up and you know there were some laughs and it was kind of the whole thing was just kind of weird because it was so close to the Wodge report came down where steve was trying to sell dolan that the rosters we all know what the report was that he's trying to basically yeah. say that you know it's fizz's fault so it was very awkward um it's just, it's bizarre. Like the whole thing is, is strange. And I don't really know, you know, I don't know how they kind of go on from that point. Um, because I don't know where, like this Fizdale, this is, is he actually still trusting the front office at this point? Maybe he is, maybe he's telling the truth or maybe he's like, what the hell, you know, are they trying to stand me in the back? Like, you know, publicly he said the right things that he feels like they all share responsibility, but if he's injected with truth serum i mean is he saying the right thing or is, is he saying it's actually he's thinking i don't know um it's all very uncomfortable and very awkward it's just a strange situation
1: i'm i'm just i'm like trying to think of a scenario so you're david Fisdale, right you i mean I, I would imagine i don't know how this works you would know better than me do does someone tip him off before that's about to drop or does he see that like the rest of us it, it, i I would imagine that
2: when it dropped, somebody told him about it. It depends. I don't know. I don't know. Like where it, it, it. It's so. It's hard to say for sure because we don't know where it came from. Yeah. Um. We don't know how much he knew before it dropped, and then we don't know how much he knew after it dropped, and when he talked to us. So, it's all. You know. I'm not really sure what he knew when he was actually talking to well, us. But it's. It's just a bizarre situation. So he,
1: he sees that, and what one would think. That there's a conversation that would then transpire, I would imagine in private about, hey, what's the deal? And then I like it's to me it's very clear that they didn't give him an assurance that they would that um, he would last the season because otherwise they. I mean, I hell it was it was very transparent in the impromptu press conference that that was not going to be the case unless there's something really truly crazy going on behind the scenes and he's like, let me go. You know, if I don't win more, let me go early so people will at least say that I didn't have a real chance. Like, you could literally tell me anything. You yeah. could literally tell me anything, and I would, I would, you know, I would believe it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it certainly doesn't sound like he has any assurances or anything like that. I mean, it from the feeling that I got, and I think that most of us got sitting in that press conference, was these next 10 games are going to be crucial. That if they don't at least – and I don't know – you know, I did. I wrote something today about the next ten games, and there I was are some. About tough, to
1: bring that up, yeah. Yeah,
2: I mean, there are some tough teams in there. The Sixers, they got the Spurs again. Um, they've got the the Celtics, so there are some tough games in there. But there are also some games that they should win. I don't know what the benchmark is. Like, if they go, let's say they go four and six or three and seven but they're competitive in their losses and their effort is more consistent. Is that enough to save David Fisdale's job? I'm not really sure. Or do they have to go at least five and five to save his job? We don't really know. So it's hard to say, like, what's actually going to save his job. Um, But from the sense that I got was that these 10 games, these next two weeks were going to be crucial in determining whether or not this guy finishes up the season or not. It certainly didn't sound like they were, you know, kind of said, like, we believe in him but we better see more. I think that that's kind of the way we all took it.
1: Yeah, and and you know I was I was reading your piece today um on northjersey.com and I was going through and and kind of looking at um you know the games that you previewed and I'm like I'm thinking to myself, you know, okay, you got you, you go through how like Charlotte's four and six and and Cleveland is like they have to win at Cleveland. And then you got like teams that are clearly better than them. you, you, mm-hmm. And you wrote this. You say, like, the, the Spurs and the Sixers and even, the, yes, the Nets. I know their record isn't great. The Raptors, like, the fact that – and I, I, I don't want to pile on too much because I, I, I don't want to pretend like there isn't logic to the decision to remove him. Well, let me ask you because I was about to say that it would be silly – to make a decision essentially based on, like, let's say two or three games, because like you just said, six and four, well, they can't fire him after six and four, right? But right. three and seven, oh, that, that sounds like we're making that type of decision essentially based on two or three games. Do you think, how much do you think would go into this decision? Is it just about this year? Is, is it, do you think last year is factoring in? Like, where do you see the decision-making process being right now?
2: From, from where I see it, the front office believes that they gave him a roster that was improved, it had more experience, it had more talent, and from what he has, they have seen so far, he has not gotten enough out of the roster that he's been given. That the lack of, I think the fact that they have gotten embarrassed.
1: I was about to ask that. How big a factor do you think those, that specific couple of games are?
2: Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's a lot. I mean, especially when Jim Dolan sits on his baseline seat and watches this now. What well, I think this is now three blowout losses at home, um, four total, including Detroit. The fact that they look so bad at home, I think, stands out. You know, I, I, I think that they feel like he should have been. This team is not. I think Steve Mills at one point said we're not necessarily looking at just the record. He it's did, the yeah. level of inconsistent effort. It's the level of inconsistency overall that they're not seeing. Um, and, I, and I think that that's been the big problem is that they're just not, he's just not getting enough out of this roster as they believe he should be. Now, you can say whatever you want about the roster. You could say that it's not sufficient, it's not good enough, but that's what they feel it seems like. And that could end, end up being what does him in.
1: And I guess, you know. It's a domino effect because it, it, it forces you to ask questions about, like, all right, well, how, like, I was actually, I was texting with JB before, um, because we were, we were talking about Mills and, and kind of the conversation about him right now. And some people are very hard on him and some people are like, no, he should fire Fisdale. Um, and it, it, it just, it makes me, cause I, all along, Defended the idea, like okay, this was. I believe I basically I took their word for it that even before they came out and said it, I was like, this was a set plan. Like, all right, if we don't get our top guys, we're going to go after these particular players with the idea in mind that we're, it's it's not going to look like what everybody thinks it's going to look like. And we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to try some non traditional stuff. You know, try to get some shooting, enough shooting in there, enough defense. Um, the defense actually hasn't been that bad, but you get my, my gist. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I know that I'm completely asking your opinion here. Do you think I, I gave them too much credit or have like, like, I don't, I, I mean, I think I, I don't know how I didn't give them too much credit. I mean, I, I don't, what do you think? Well, clearly we all know what their plan A was. I, I, and,
2: and they, yeah, I think that what you said is accurate, that they felt like we're going to go out and we're going to sign these guys and Basically, like, you know, what you said is I agree with. We're going to bring in guys like Marcus Morris, um, you know, and guys who can play defense, Taj Gibson. Um, We're going to get some shooting in in there with guys like Wayne Ellington. And the idea at the time was that, you know, obviously Julius Randle had been a better three-point shooter than this in previous seasons, and he had improved in that area. So he can stretch the floor a little bit. Bobby Portis, obviously the same deal. So we'll give him some shooting. We'll give him more experience. We'll give him some better defensive players and we'll see, you know, what they can do with this roster. And it certainly should be better than um, a 17 win team and they should be able to improve. And clearly <laughs> you know, the early results are not good. I,
1: I I wonder, the other thing I wonder about the roster um, before I want to ask, ask you about the, the report that came out yesterday is I wonder how much of this is they were really planning to have um, – I I don't don't know if I should say an improved Dennis Smith Jr., but, like, Mm -hmm. basically, like, kind of the version of Dennis Smith Jr. we saw when he first came here last year. Like, people forget already. Like, there was the game in Detroit where he got to the line, I think it was, like, 18 or 20 times Mm -hmm. or something, and he was just, like, really firing on all cylinders at certain moments when he first came here to kind of be the guy who could have the ball in his hands. And, obviously, he he was going to need to take a leap. but most people were concerned about you know, his shooting, not his ability to like just be a like a, a Just a, score. Or even like act like a a professional basketball player, which right. we didn't see. <laughs> um and I I just I don't know. I guess the thing that is it still is banging around in the back of my mind is like how much were they really counting on that and how much did that really throw them off? And is this Randall centric offense, which clearly is is not working as with him as a starter, which the, obviously it gets into other issues, I don't know. Do you do you think that they were counting on on Smith? Like, wh- what's your read? I guess maybe on the overall, like the organization's overall like feeling on Smith going into this year. Like, do you think it's changed? Like, where do you think they're at with him?
2: Well, I, I think that they're surprised by how much he struggled when he when he played. Um, I think that the injury certainly did set him back. I don't think that there's any question about that. But I think that when he came back and he was playing, I think that there was genuine surprise that he basically, um, like you said, kind of looked like he had never played basketball before. Um, I think that that really, really shocked them. Um, And and that's been an issue. And look, you know, that's something that – the the thing about having so many new players, I I think – and they kind of use that excuse a lot through the first 10 games. I was getting tired of hearing it because it was the same thing every day and there was no progress. Like you could say that. And actually, I tweeted it. And I was like, you can say that if you're still showing progress, but there was not enough progress. The lack of a consistent point guard, that's an issue. Like, I don't know what, at the end of the day, like if you don't have a point guard who's, giving you consistency day in and day out. I'm not sure what you're supposed to do with your offense. Frank Milikina, I think, has played well, but we all know he has limitations, and he's still trying to find his consistent rhythm. Not having Dennis Smith Jr., I think Alfred Payton, you know, probably obviously would have given them something more, but the injury didn't help. So,
1: you
2: know, not having that for Fisdale, he doesn't want to use it as an excuse, and he probably shouldn't at this point, but that doesn't (laughs) help things
1: you know no, no i i agree it doesn't help things um you know and i i actually i'm i'm you know me i'm the biggest frank fan in the world and i mm-hmm. i agree that i i think there's a world where he could be a starting point a very good starting point guard in the league but but not really in the offense that fisdale runs at least the starting offense he runs um and and not with like the lack of the lack of other shooters out there um i want to kind of switch gears for a sec so this this report comes out to Woj or Woj releases it with Makila uh, Andrews, yeah, um, uh, Malika, Malika, sorry, um, who's new to the beat, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the the phrasing of it is that sources indicate indicated that Mills is starting to lay the groundwork. What? What that means exactly, I don't I, – I mean, your guess is is, is mine. Right. But I guess I, – so I read that and I'm like, okay, this was purposeful. Like how – I don't want you to like reveal any trade secrets, but like when when you see a leak like this or a story – I shouldn't even refer to it as a leak. When you see a story come out like this, like what, what do you think? As, like you didn't break this story, so what are you – what are what questions are you asking about it after you see it? Maybe is the best way to put it. Um,
2: you know where it came from. You kind of think in your mind, like you, you sort of consider the the possible places it came from. Whose side would it benefit more to leak to to give that out? Um, and basically, why? Well, you know what's the timing of it? Obviously, after the press conference, that that's kind of clear, but certainly the timing was interesting um and who would it benefit to have that out in the open um that's kind of usually what i think about when i see any, anything like that you know whether it's that report or anything that comes out uh with unnamed sources it's always sort of like who well, who who would benefit it the most to to give that out
1: yeah and and i ask myself the same question and i'm like well is is this designed to have like more public pressure on Fizdale to try to like motivate the team like that doesn't really make any sense to me so and then mm. i'm thinking like well if if fizz is really i mean because i i think in maybe not in new york where a lot of knicks fans are frustrated with him but i think the general consensus around the the, the greater i don't know uh, nba media sphere if you will is that fizz is getting a raw deal would you would you say that's accurate
2: Uh, yeah, I would say so. It it almost, to me, it was like they're making him the fall guy when it really isn't all of his... The blame shouldn't be squarely on him.
1: Yeah, which, I mean, I guess that would make the... What we saw yesterday with them palling around at practice. I don't know, maybe that explains it more. See, these... How many other basketball teams, fan bases, have to to go through these conversations? It's like, you know... Yeah. Um... All right. So let me let me. We'll start to finish up, and I'll 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 ask you. You know, you've been here since it's now almost two years, right? You came on. Uh, yeah, about two years, yeah. You said it yourself when you when you first started when we first started talking that things have been fairly calm overall. (laughs) Do you do you get the sense that like this is, this could get really really crazy, and oh, I yeah. I don't yeah. even know what that might look like. But what what is your sense? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. I
2: actually got a text from it was yesterday. I got a text from another writer that said, "I just want to officially welcome you to the next beat," <laughs> um, and so. <laughs> um because the past two years weren't really a good indication of what it's going to be like. I mean, yeah, it could absolutely get crazy. I mean, if we see a coaching change in the next couple of weeks, if we see a total overhaul in leadership um at the end of the season, um yeah, I mean, things could absolutely get crazy. So yeah, I mean, buckle oh, up because <laughs> that's a that, that's that's if, a good if, way to prepare. it. If the next 10 day, 10 uh games don't you know, look, and the funny thing is is like Let's say in a crazy world, like they do come out and they play, and they're 5-5 in the next 10 games, and all of a sudden, Fizdale earns himself more time, and all of a sudden, they start to play well. I don't necessarily see that happening, but it certainly could. And then now, it could be just everything that we just discussed is kind of like, well, I guess it was just a temporary thing, and it passed. I don't see it happening, but... But that's what I kind of
1: wanted to to finish up with, because regardless of what happens from here, whether they fire him... by the time people are listening to to this podcast or he lasts the year, I feel like this is the type of uh, like the genie. You can't put this genie back in the bottle. It's like a sign of just disorganization. And the the thing that I felt best about as a fan over the last couple of years has nothing to do with, I mean, the young players help. Certainly the fact that we have all our picks, all that stuff. It's just that to me – they seem to kind of be operating i dare i say it but like normally right like a normal yeah they or- were organization and yeah. now there's all this and like i put it, put yourself in like the shoes of people like observing and and rooting for this team eventually to get out of its own way you talk to a lot more people on the on inner circles around the league than than and obviously any anybody listening to this Like how much weight does this stuff really carry or is it more or or am I actually making too much of it? And is it like not as like sky is falling as maybe I I think or is it somewhere in between? Well, I I think that anytime
2: stuff comes out like this, it's always going to be you're going to hear those, you know, same old Knicks, like just more more chaos with the Knicks. Um, There's always going to be questions about, you know, why do they have a press conference then? Like who made them do it? Um, why are they making Fizdale the fall guy? It's just another coach who's going to – they're going to burn through and make him the scapegoat, and then they're going to hire another guy, and if it doesn't go well, they're going to make him the scapegoat, and so on and so forth, and on it goes. So I think that that's kind of how it's perceived. Fair or unfair, accurate and inaccurate, that's kind of the way – people are always going to have different views on what's going on. There are probably going to be people who say, are saying, well – the head coach isn't getting the results, and guess what? This is what happens. It's a results-oriented business, and you don't get what's the most out of your team and the roster that you're given, and you don't meet expectations. Well, guess what? You're going to be fired. So I think that there's always going to be differing views of, of kind of what's going on right now.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's about, <laughs> it's about what I thought. I, I don't know. what Gut feeling. Um, Next time we're, we're doing this podcast, whatever it is, a month from now, you think David Fisdale is still employed by the Knicks?
2: Oh, boy. Um, you know, I thought about this a lot today, whether it's actually going to happen or not. I, I would say that there will be a change made. Um, and I'll be honest, I won't necessarily agree with it because I don't think that midseason coaching changes ever actually accomplish much in any sport.
1: Could you? Uh, do you mind if I ask you to, like – because yeah. I agree with you completely. What What's your rationale for that? Because I think you're 100% right.
2: I just think that, like, we're, we're 10 games into the season. We'll be 20 games into the season when he's fired. They'll have if – if he is indeed fired, they'll have clearly underachieved and the roster will be bad. So if they fire him – and I guess it'll send, like, a wake-up call to the players and it'll be just, look, we we found a guy to put the blame on. But at the end of the day, like, the record isn't all of a sudden going to go on a huge winning streak. I don't think – I mean, unless the new coach—I mean, if if there's if a coach knew if there's a coach on the staff who knew how to fix this, I would imagine he would have already said something like, "Hey, let's try this and see if we can make these adjustments," and we would already be seeing those results. I don't know how much a midseason coaching change is, is going to make a difference. I it just well, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that leads to the the only other um, immediate follow-up i had which is that if if there is a change um do you think they go in house and if they do like who who would you place your bet on getting the job or if they went out do you think there's a possibility they go outside mid-season it doesn't happen very often yeah we've, we've seen it i think with george carl maybe once or yeah. twice and i think um there's one more that uh that it's I'm, rare. yeah it's really rare so what do you what do you think
2: so, this is, I have no, uh, you know, this is completely my opinion. And I have, I have no, I've not spoken to anybody specifically about this. I, my, I put my money on Mike Miller getting the job. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, like I said, that's totally, I could be completely wrong. But that's, if I had to make a bet, that's who I would put the money
1: on. I, I keep saying I'm going to let you go. And then you keep saying things that make me want to ask you another question. <laughs> so, Mike Miller is, obviously, he was the coach at Westchester for several years. And in, in my, my estimation, incredibly well-respected coach, did a phenomenal job down there. I... Again, I know you don't have any inside info on this, but he was... He came aboard the staff in August, right? So... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I... I... I. When I was thinking about this the last few days, my thought was that, did they bring him up almost with this type of thing in mind? And if, like... And who... Like, who in the organization is really the biggest, who were the biggest champions behind mm-hmm. the link between, like, the development stuff they have going on at Westchester and, like, how it relates to the big club? Because, I mean, obviously there's Craig Robinson, who was mm-hmm. all in. that. Uh, Alan Houston was the GM of the Westchester um, component of the organization for a bit. I Is it, is, like, Mills big on that stuff? Is Perry, are they both? Like, where, what's your read? I, I honestly, not to be... To cop out, but I, I think that that's kind of they all are
2: in a lot of ways. Okay. I think that they no, all no, that's fair. I didn't you know, know. Yeah, no. Like, I think Miller. Um, I think that they really like the way that he ran. And again, it's it's you could say what you want. It's a G League team, but I think they like the they like the way that he ran that team. Um, they're big into development. I think that they feel like they developed uh, those guys down there well. Um, you know, when you talk to people like Kadeem Allen, is this guy that they bring up a lot. Um, as somebody that they really developed into a, a, a good NBA player or somebody who has potential to be a good NBA player. So I think that they really respect his development um, abilities and the way he ran that team last year, G League or not. And so I think that there's definitely support there. Now, could it be Keith Smart? Yeah, absolutely. But I, like I said, I would put my money on, on
1: Mike Miller. Well, if there's a change, um, if there's a change, and again, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, It's funny. I hope that there's not, but if it was Miller – Part of me would be really, really, really interested to see what he could do. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. I have monopolized enough of your time. We, we both have uh, – we're, we're recording this before the Bulls game. Um, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe there will be another impromptu press card. Maybe, maybe Jim Dolan will get out there behind the mic oh, after the game tonight and uh, – I don't know if if he's does, he doesn't even travel with the team, does he? I don't I don't think he does. Uh no, yeah.
2: There's yeah. probably a better chance of you or me taking over <laughs> as coach next week
1: There than... uh, probably is. Um Chris, I I can't thank you enough for for hopping on. Anything um of course. anything you got going on that you want to, you know, shout out. Uh
2: or... yeah, no, just um you know, follow, uh, you know, on Twitter and at NorthJersey.com because, you know, obviously whatever goes on over the next couple of weeks, you know, we'll be all on top of as everybody else will be. So, you know, thanks everyone for following along and, you know, keep keep checking up.
1: I will give my usual plug. If you are not following Chris Eisman on Twitter, if you are not subscribed to NorthJersey.com, like, what are you doing? It's not – I don't want to say how much it, – it's not that much money. It's It's like, you, you know, you, you're going to spend more on coffee tomorrow probably than you will. That's accurate. It, it seriously is. So it's. it's just – it's the most level-headed, consistent, just really good – Information, which is all—I mean, all, all Nick fans ever tell me—is that's all they want. They don't—they don't need the slander, or the slant, or anything. Um, and that's what you give, and, and that's why I love having you on. So, um, you know, thank, thank you. you for giving uh, a few minutes. Anytime. Hey guys, it is the middle of basketball season and football season and hockey season and college basketball season. It's it's kind of a good time of year, uh, October going into November, into December. If you're looking for tickets for any of these events, you know Vivid Seats is your top source. And there's a lot of different perks that come with going to Vivid Seats. Obviously, the Vivid Seats app, which you can get on the App Store or Google Play. Just download it, and once you do, you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program, which is great because it allows you to earn credit back. Um, So every purchase, remember, is backed by 100% guarantee from the biggest concerts to biggest games, theater, you know, you got the holidays coming up, you might have family coming in from out of town, whatever it is. If you need tickets, go with Vivid Seats. And best of all, we can help you get some money off because when it's time to buy, New users, enter promo code OVERTIME, that's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Okay, so we're back. We have uh, just witnessed the New York Knickerbockers fall to 2-9. They drop uh, a game 120-102 to the chicago bulls on the road um and i i wasn't sure if i was going to do a post-game pod uh after speaking to chris Osman a little bit earlier but you know we have our wonderful our trustee our knowledgeable our amazing nicks film school intern
0: chris Percy Einan. chris how are you i'm good i think that's too much uh too much of a build nah, up. I know. It's it's fine. Anticlimactic for it to just be me. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you were like, let's we we should, you know, if you ever want to have me on the post game, which I'm like, you know what? Let's fuck it. Let's talk about this game. Because sometimes you just sometimes you just have to talk it out, right? That's just it's helpful. Especially in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, it's all about yes, session. It's all about talking it out. So I, I, I literally said to you before we started recording, I'm like, I don't even know where where to start and, and before we before we talk about I guess the game itself I'm I'm curious what what your what your thoughts are because I am having trouble even like focusing on what's important at this point after after the events of the last couple of days and you know we had the impromptu press conference and obviously the report from yesterday that fizz is on on thin ice or whatever whatever terminology you want to use right and now it's like are are we are we looking as fans to root for improved play style because we want this thing to work under this coach are we like are are we <laughs> are we thinking you know what maybe it's not the worst thing to get a new coach in here i th- this all has me so backwards if I'm being completely honest. Um yeah, and, and laying my I, I soul there. Where where like you as, here's what I want to ask you. As you were watching the game tonight, like what were you th- like are you just rooting for a win? Where where are you at after with this game?
0: I was gonna say I was gonna say you're probably gonna ask me what was I rooting for? Um the the R J Barrett triple double watch kinda performance there. Um, that was a thing. That kept, was a thing. Kept kept me uh from from just crying, but um, listen, I gotta say, like it's to the point where y- you know it's like one of the guys gets to the free throw. We're shooting sixty five percent from the free throw line on the season, which is really hard to do. That's like a college feet. Like, and you're just like, w- please just make one, um,
1: <laughs> one of <or> two. <laughs> you're rooting for
0: one. Two. Yeah, um, you know, twenty one points, nine assists, six rebounds from RJ Barrett. You love to see it. Uh, really fun. That alley oop. I did stand up from my from my couch uh, to to cheer to cheer to myself there. So RJ's um, getting
1: you. R- RJ's kind of getting you through through it right now. Is that I- the I'd side? say
0: I'd say I've narrowed down the roster to the players I really care about long term are RJ, Knox, Frank, and Mitch. Those four kind kind of the four that I that I care about. Um, the vets you know like Todd Gibson had a great game today. Um 8 for 10 from the that,
1: field, we should say. He had uh 17 points, 5 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, yeah.
0: And the the impact like you you just like you see it. That's like that's like kind of what you expect when you sign a guy like that for that kind of money. Um you know, I guess you could say we we kind of overpaid all those guys just to come to the Knicks in the first place, but you know, we paid them and and these are the kind of performances you're looking for from these vets. Um, I wish they weren't taking turns giving them to us and just kind of all playing to the level we would want especially for veterans but I have to say like the one you know on this topic the one thing I kept saying to myself this game was like why are Marcus Morris Bobby Portis and Julius Randle so opposed to passing the basketball and, and it's like you see the switch flip in their head when they go like, you know what? I'm going to shoot at this possession. This is going to be a me possession. Um, you, 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 like, you like watch it happen. You watch them say, I- I'm going to take the shot this time. And, and I wish there was just more of an openness to passing. Does that come from the lack of offensive sets uh, from Visdale? Well, that's the, the that's the truth, chicken, chicken or the egg question
1: right now, isn't it? It's that's like what's. What comes first? It, and, and really, I feel like this gets to the big picture of, like, because I feel like everybody's getting into their camps. Well, that's not really accurate. I was going to say there's the people who are like, it's Fisdale's fault. Fire Fisdale. And there's other people who are like, the front office gave from this roster. You know, they should be fired. And then I think there's going to be a lot of people, and, like, everybody should go. But I don't I don't even know. I mean, no one's blameless, right? It, it's It's just, like, you can't. You you can't have those. Like I I sent out a tweet tonight. Give me two of those three guys. I I would be okay with two. Preferably, honestly, Morris and Portis. But three on the same roster and and at times point. First of all, all of the time it seems like there's at least two of them in the game. Usually there's at least two of them in the game. Sometimes there's three. Um, which is just and and on that on that note, I want to give you and I'll give the guy credit. Um, Max Holliber. Uh, at maximum underscore stats, tweeted out before the game, the Knicks' most-used lineup of Frank, R.J., Morris, Randall, and Portis has played 43 minutes, this was before tonight.
0: What do you think their right.
1: offensive rating was in 43 minutes? Just take take a wild guess. Oh,
0: Jesus. I can't even. In the 70s?
1: A little 85.4, which is right. which is – was the lowest of any NBA team's most used lineup.
0: Think about I, don't that know for a second. I don't know if it's more sad that that fails to surprise me or that I was really okay guessing in the 70s for our most used lineup.
2: I think both of them <laughs> say <a lot. laughs>
0: that. The other thing with lineups that I was like, just I, I knew I had to touch on here was like, there was a point in this game where David Fisdale looked looked around and he thought to himself, you know what, the five guys that I'm going to put in right now that Wait, give can us I a guess? good chance to win. Can I, can I guess oh, which yeah, five?
1: Because yeah. there was a couple instances tonight where we could look out there and say, yes, these, these are the droids you've been looking for. Um, are you going to go with the Smith... Yeah, Randall yes. was it Portis, yes. and
0: was four it Knox? For 4 for 5 for 5. There you go. That, the that was the exact lineup I was thinking. Yep. Um, jeez, man. Fizz, come on. Like I he he seems like such a good guy. I want to root for him. I would love to see him leading the garden, you know, you get a big RJ Barrett play and you you know, you go to Fizzdale and he's pumping his fist and the garden is roaring oh, how do you do that to us? How do you put that five out on the floor? It, it, well, but he's not doing it to us. That. He's doing it to himself. The, the, I mean, it's... I, I know. and It's like he's coaching for his job at this point. It's Except like the opposite. We, thought, <laughs> we, we would think like, all right, you know, the guys that, you know, he's coaching for his job. He's going to sacrifice youth development to get wins. And he puts out that lineup. And it's like, okay, there's clearly just like, he wants to not... Be the coach anymore. Like it, I don't know what else to even
1: No, I mean, so I, I said it a few minutes ago on the periscope, um tonight the Knicks took 88 shots. Um 40 uh let me make sure my math is correct here. Yes, 41 of those shots were taken by Julius Randle, Marcus Morris and and Bobby Portis. And and th- that's not to say that there aren't that there couldn't be you know, nights where those three guys should take that many shots. But when so many of those shots are of the variety, that is, I'm so happy you said that before, that, that are essentially a hijacked possession. Because there are, you know, how many guys in the league really have the right to hijack possessions like that i mean i said
0: i said that exact thing on the the pod we did together i said you know there are points where 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 marcus morris just like implodes offensive possessions by the means of you know what i'm gonna take the shot here let's do uh uh dribble dribble hezzy, step back deep two contested and that that's how this one's gonna go um it's like, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't get why. I don't get how it, it's happening. Is Fizdale enabling this? Randall, those air balls, the, he barely hit the bottom of the backboard. Like, I, I don't know. Like, is Fizdale telling them, like, just keep shooting it, guys. Just keep, like, y- you would think that, like, you know, when a team is struggling offensively, you would want to force some ball movement and get some open shots. And that's and, and that's the thing. Going.
1: That's the thing is every, you know what? Uh, every team should, has to have a guy, I'll even go further, that, Late in the shot clock, um, if nothing's working, that they could get you off a decent look. So let's just say, for argument's sake, every team has two of those guys, so they could have one on the floor at all times. And one of those, you know, and there are, I don't know, 15, 20, maybe a few more players in the league who, when they decide to go rogue early in the shot clock, you're like, okay, that's fine because it's, you know, insert name of player here. Um, Right. None of those guys work here. Um, Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, <laughs> and Bobby Portis, of those 42 shots, they made um, 14 of those 42 for an even 33%. And on the year, and these numbers were going into tonight, yeah, Julius Randle shooting. An effective field goal percentage of 46, which is abysmal. Marcus Morris, effective field goal percentage of 504, which is nearly 100 points higher than his actual field goal percentage because he has been hitting threes at a good rate. And then Bobby Portis bringing up the rear. Field goal percentage, 38%. Effective field goal percentage. You you almost couldn't write this. This is so bad. 42% effective field goal percentage for Bobby Portis this year for
0: a big man. In the league, it's like in 2019. You go on like you go on like NBA 2K and you set every every rating to 25 and you just put them in to see what happens and you get something like this. Yeah, like like uh, it's like a create a player gone terribly wrong on purpose. Like you're purposefully putting in the worst player you can to see how they'll do in an NBA game and that's just like half the Knicks roster. It looks like that at this point.
1: Um, and you you know you go through so for anybody who didn't watch this game again tied going into the fourth quarter at 85 the Bulls went on a 22 to um, nothing run and you know Kobe so like Kobe White is going to get a lot of the attention from this game because he made set a Bulls record I believe for seven three pointers in the in the fourth quarter um, and he deserves all the credit in the world for that but this is a guy who came into the league shoot or coming in, came into the night excuse me shooting 21 percent from deep it's like you know if you're gonna have a guy beat you that like fine if that guy goes off on the fourth quarter you kind of to a certain extent tip your cap they weren't wide open it was guys playing off of him but again that's kind of a guy that you like you play off I mean maybe not after the first two or three went in um you know Frank got caught digging too deep uh You know, uh, looking over at the strong side action that was going on. He couldn't get out on, I think it was Kobe's fifth. Anyway, that's not the point. My point is that they lost this game on offense in the fourth quarter. They only scored 17 points. And if you look at their fourth quarter shot chart, I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. uh, I know. Nine nine missed threes. And the guys who were taking these threes are just literally going around the arc. You got Portis, Iggy, that was late. That didn't really count. Um, RJ not blaming him. So we're going to say
0: you need cleaning the glass there to to clean out the garbage time. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Um, Morris missed 25 footer. Dennis Smith jr. Missed 25 step back, uh, foot jump shot. Um, yeah, you needed that one. Julius Randle misses 24 foot three pointer. It's like this. It's not like some people might look at that and say, well, it's 2019. You're, those are good shots. They're threes. They're not good shots when there's not an attempt to get a better shot. And if you, the most damning thing about the fourth quarter is if you look at the the bull shot chart, there's a cluster of ten little circles all around the basket, which mean, and the rest of the circles were all out on the three point line. They, they, they were shooting threes, but they got a ton of looks down low. The Knicks had three. Three shots in the fourth quarter around the rim in the in the Jeez. yeah in the restricted like that is you're not doing your job trying to generate a cohesive offense if if your your team you're is only getting three looks at the basket um you know in the fourth quarter
0: what I find myself saying a lot when I see Julius Randle or someone like that you know again like we said hijack a possession um it's like if the shot clock you know like whatever the shot clock is subtract 10 and maybe i'm okay <laughs> with them taking that shot maybe um but it's like i can't i can't imagine uh uh i don't know again i don't know if it's coaching i don't know what it is but a situation in which you see these shots get taken over and over again not just in the same game but game after game and you think like yeah this is okay we'll get something out of this this will be all right in the long term you, you know, like, th- things will be all right. We'll let them keep shooting it, and, and, and things things will be fine. We'll get some points out of this. Like, I, I can't – I don't know how you see this as okay. Again, I don't know if this is Fisdale. I don't know what's happening here, but it's not it's not NBA basketball is the point. And, and I, you know, we have an NBA team out on the court shooting like it's uh, five one-on-ones happening at one park at the same time with one ball. I don't know what what's going to come I, out of this, and it's like it hurts good. to watch.
1: No, it was, and it was, and it was funny because they were tied at eighty five going into the fourth, and all I could think to myself was, "God, they do not deserve to be tied in this game." And it just did. It feel like they were like the on even par with the Bulls after three quarters. It felt like um, like a false false something to me. I don't know. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know. The other the one the one more one more stat I wanted to bring up was that. Um, and again, I don't know if this is on coaching, not making the right adjustments. I don't know if this is players, just not. I don't know if it's that they don't care enough to make these adjustments. But in the last two games that the New York Knickerbockers have played basketball, I love that you say that's what that's what you want to call it. Oh, uh, we have let Colin Sexton and Kobe White combine for twelve made three pointers and fifty-eight points overall. Woo. And it's like. These are not like you know. We let Harden score 51 on us, or was it 61 on us at the Garden? Yeah, he didn't break Mellow's record. It was 61. Yes. Like, you're oh, it's James Harden. That's all right. When 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 it's Colin Sexton and and Kobe White, and it's like they're just like running all over us. And we're just not adjusting. Like you know, Kobe White. You said they weren't all open. No, no, no. A few of those Kobe White threes were just he had no one within ten yeah, feet of no, him. Yeah, no, you're right. A couple, like a, a couple of them. It was like a it was like a Tom Brady receiver out there. No, no one even near him. <laughs> I like that guy. Um, uh, and it's you know like why why is this happening? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I say that way too much. It's like you know, Portis gets the ball, puts himself in the post, dribble. Post hook over a guy four inches taller than him. Like, why is that happening? Marcus Morris gets the ball, dribbles into the corner, comes in behind the back, pull up deep two. Why is that happening? Like leaving leaving Kobe White wide open to the extent where he can make seven three pointers in one quarter. Like, why is this happening? I, I you know it's like so, someone said, and I even mentioned I did that quick you know breakdown on my YouTube channel. I said like when the talent level increases. From one year to the next, and you know, you, I'm not saying we added a boatload of talent, but you know, we we added some talent to this team, and that's that should be apparent, if not by the money we spent on it, but just by the players, the names that we added, and the team looks not better. Th- then does that just boil down to coaching well, at that point? Or is it, that, and this is, is, is that, you know, like we we've we've presented ourselves with an impossible roster fit, and that's a Perry Mills problem. Um, or, you know, obviously no one is blameless and no one is the only person to blame, but I think we're enough games in where we can kind of see closer percentages of how to distribute blame here. And it's like, I I think coaching is more of the problem than roster fit right now, because I think we could be doing more with better rotations, sets and game plans in general than what we're doing now.
1: Um, one, you're... You're 100% right. Um, two, Clarence Gaines, my, my, yes, my inspiration and my my spirit animal, my, the reason I'm alive. Really, I uh, just tweeted out a YouTube video of vultures circling, which is just the sense of humor on this man cannot go understated. Um, number three, is it coaching or is it the roster? I mean, look, we could sit here and we could talk all all, all night about this. It's both. Um, obviously, but the, 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 the Bobby Portis and, and Julius Randall. I like how uh,
0: you, 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 are you're like, you're, you're looking for something there and you're just like, what what's the biggest problem here? No, cause
1: is. it's, it's like, so who are the guys who have <laughs> underperformed so far this year? Right. Uh, I would say most Julius glaringly it's Randall, um, it's Portis, and then it's Dennis Smith Jr. Those those three guys, I would say. In... Oh,
0: De- Dennis! And you know, like you and I on the pod, we we collectively uh, d- decided that we were yes. going to absolve him, and he comes back, um, a- and we see this happen. I mean, it isn't plays. I mean? I, here's the thing: it's his first game back. I'm not. I'm not going to say. Oh, yeah, he was getting his feet wet, remember? Just getting his feet wet.
1: Yeah, but even that was ridiculous. Like that's, Fizz, that's my
0: new favorite quote.
1: Fizz said before the game, three to four-minute bursts, right? Three to four-minute bursts. Okay, great. You played him seven minutes in the first half, played him seven minutes in the second half. The first half went horribly, horribly. He was That was the 22-0 to run in the first half that you gave up. You go back and you sent him out there for the same thing the second half as if it's going to be a better result. It wasn't. Um but I'm 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 gonna put Dennis McJr. Jr. into into a different category because he's still he's twenty one years old. He obviously had this personal strategy. Just put that aside for a sec. Randall and Portis are two guys that that should should be doing better um if they were in lineups that were more conducive to their strengths. And I I, I don't know. I don't know that there are lineups that are are available to this coach to really maximize them. But then at that point, you have to make changes that may be, you know, painful changes like maybe not playing Bobby Portis a whole lot of minutes. Um, maybe moving Julius Randle to the bench, which is something that I've now been I've been talking about for um, I guess too long. Yeah, well, I mean, I first really went hard on the idea, I think, last week, and um, I don't know how much longer Fizz is going to be the coach, but I don't think he's going to take me up on my advice. There's more that he could be doing. Um, of course, it's not all his fault, um, uh, but it's just like, yeah, it's uh, it's not pretty right now, and even the good things like Barrett, like Frank played some really nice defense in the first half, like Taj, right? It's like, God, how much would you love to watch this team if it was just the kids, Right, just the kids, and like Taj, and like I, I love Wayne Ellington. I know he's had you know a bit of a rough go so far, but like Wayne, and like Marcus Morris, right? And just and, yeah. like and like you know give Dotson some more minutes, and
0: um, and isn't that isn't that what Perry tried to do in Sacramento when he had the kids and he added like Zebo, George Hill, and
1: yeah, and, and, and like it's it,
0: kind it, of a disaster, but it wasn't like it well wasn't because terrible. the
1: offense because the offense. Went through those guys earlier. The offense went through Zach Randolph and George Hill, um, and they pl- they did not play team. It just it was it was a bad mix, right. and and this is this is a bad mix too for different reasons. And um, yeah, no one's absolved. No one's absolved, and yeah. I I just don't know. I don't know how this is supposed to. I don't know how this is supposed to get better anytime soon. As long as as things stay. And
0: and that's, that's right. That right there is my reasoning for not maybe not firing Fizzdale. I think I don't I, I think that he's not doing it for us right now at all, and that's becoming increasingly apparent as each game goes by. Especially because, you know, like you can look at him as why we've been bad, but no one no one expected the Knicks to be two and nine with the schedule we had through the first eleven games. Yes. And I think Fizz maybe gets the most accountability. For that, but it's also like, uh, who who's hiring him and who hired Hornacek and Fisher and Isaiah Thomas? Well, and and that's like I'm I'm a known now at this point, Steve Mills non-supporter. I am a supporter of his termination as president. Um, I don't. He's he's really not doing it for me, and um, I can't. Like you know, if I had to pick one, if I had to pick one guy to drop from the staff. It's Mills, Um, again, with the Hardaway and the Baker stuff, the contracts there, and it's like he just hasn't shown me any reason to want him on my favorite basketball team's front office staff, but it's also like Fizdale, I think now, especially after this game, deserves uh, a really good amount of, of accountability, of blame here for what we're seeing out on the court you know, as as Perry and Mills referred to it, like the product that has been put out on the court is not what we expected, is not what they expected, and they think, you know, like what was the what was the quote? Someone wrote like Mills has sold this team to Dolan as a team that is comprised to be an Eastern Conference contender.
1: That that was the quote, yes.
0: Like, geez, I don't like. Uh, <laughs> Mill, I I think Dolan. I don't know if it's like a blind faith that he has in Mills to just like do things right but it's not working out for any of the parties involved um i think it's mills time to go i think if perry goes which i don't think he should because i like perry actually i think he's done a good job since getting here um uh, yeah, but it's like who who's the common denominator and it was it was bondy who wrote an article uh that that it's mills who's the common denominator and i i'm going to agree with him there um yeah i mean all you have to i mean
1: it, look he's 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 been he's been around He's been around for a long time. He's been around for a lot of different regimes. Um, not in charge a lot. Not in charge a lot until recently. But he's he's been around. I have um. I don't know. I've a I've a if you if you ask me to bet on which of these three guys, Perry Mills or Fizdale, will be back opening night next year, I'm not I'm not sure that I would feel comfortable placing money on anybody. Um. I don't know uh i don't know i'm usually pretty good at coming up with some kind of answers uh but uh, i'm just kind of at a
0: loss right now um because optimally for me we 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 have perry as the guy who's back and fizzdale you know whether again i think a lot of this is I, his fault directly but i i would like you know there's a lot of candidates out there that i would prefer um we could start with like yeah, again, Becky Hammond, but like Dave, Dave Jorger too, um, is someone who I like.
1: Dave Yeager's is a uh, good coach. I mean, look, there's, there's, but th- that's the thing, right? There's good coaches out there. Friggin' Jeff Hornacek won coach of the year before he came here. Mike D'Antoni won coach of the year after he left here. Um, you know, it's, it's not, you know, I mean, friggin' Larry Brown even. I mean, I hate to bring that up, but Guys, one of the most respected coaches in the history of basketball. He came here, and it was like he didn't literally forgot what he was doing. Um, You know, whatever the phrase is, once is a once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, three times a trend. Well, it's you know, and this is what this is what Knicks critics go back to this this line of thinking and line of talking, um, which is that it's the Knicks, the Knicks are going to nick, and I that's what I always fight back against. Because I refuse to believe that just because an inorgan because an or- organization has been inept in the past that they will continue to be inept in perpetuity. Um, but in order to do that, you need to pick a path to get to escape from the you know the darkness, um, and it needs to be a path that you either commit to um, or you know, well I mean it's it's it has to be a, de- a decent path and you have to commit to it. The problem is what if and and bad organizations do this they they think you know that the path is like oh well we tried this path it's not working let's let's switch um i mean the only saving grace is that if and when these guys are all gone they'll leave behind a young core of players who i think are really talented and and you know should help whoever ends up taking these guys yeah whatever
0: whatever whatever roster comp and you know our coaching staff we have in the future, like these guys are going to be uh, contributing basketball players. Yeah, these players are these today. are
1: real NBA players that they that they have. RJ Barrett's like again, I don't know, he's not a number one, but whether he's a number two or number three, he's he's really really good. Um, so yeah, I think all right, we've t- we've talked about this game for just about a half an hour, which is probably 25 minutes more than it deserves. Um, Chris, uh, why don't you plug promote something before we uh before we get done for the night.
0: Oh well, I'd say my uh, my Twitter is the place to go. Uh, Twitter.com/slash chris Percyinen, My full name. Um, that you know that that's where I have uh, my, my link to my YouTube channel. I have a uh, my most recent episode. I titled it uh, appropriately, like an emergency David Fisdale episode. I, I recorded it the second I got home from from high school. Yes, from high school. Um, what the day that you know the the Fizdale news came out, you got right home and recorded that quick, just quick 15 minute episode on my thoughts. Went into my thoughts on Mills there too. Um, that that's where you know Twitter I put some in game thoughts, some post game thoughts, and my YouTube channel too is where uh where the majority of my time is spent just recording and and getting stuff on there, sharing my thoughts on things on on sports, sports talk with Chris P is what I call it. Um, and that that's that's really what it is at heart. So. My Twitter is where all that can be found and would, and you should would, go
1: you should go to Chris's Twitter um, there is uh, there'll be I'll have your Twitter name and the you know tweet featuring uh, this episode so it'll be easy to find yeah man um, we're gonna we're gonna get through this one um, together this season I have, a, I have a feeling this this might be a long year um that's that's what my we've been through some long years here in New York. I have a feeling we we uh we, we might be in for another one here. I I listen, I hope I'm wrong. Um but yeah, we'll see.
0: All right. I thought the thing carrying through us would be like that the team would be fun at least, even if we're losing games, but I did too.
1: Yeah. But we're,
0: we're not even seeing that yet. So Yeah. No, we're not. Oh, you just like you just hear how depressed I sound, man. Like oh, <laughs>
1: RJ Barrett, uh, don't come on. RJ Barrett's on the team. Let don't 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 get too down. He's, I, got he's so my, adi- I got my I got
0: my went to the went to the NBA store in the city. Got my jersey, um, so now I'll have that to to hold on to. That
1: that that is important. I will say that that is important. Um, all right, here we go. We're getting out of here. Um, we'll see everybody or um. You'll hear from us, I should say, um, within a couple days, I'm sure, with another episode. All right. Uh, Everybody have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Before we get out of here, quick word from the one and only MyBookie. You know MyBookie.ag because you've been hearing me on the pod talk about MyBookie for a few weeks now. And my bookie is pretty great because you can go to the site. It's once again mybookie.ag, and you could get um, lines on games, and you can uh, wager on those lines at your leisure. I mean, I'm looking right now at games tomorrow night, Wednesday. You got Grizzlies Hornets. Nice one and a half point uh, line. Hornets getting, uh, or excuse me, Hornets are giving a point and a half to the Memphis Grizzlies. That's a that's a fun little game. Uh, you got the Celtics at home against the Wizards. Celtics giving nine. That's... Eh, you know what? They've played pretty, pretty damn well. Um, Timberwolves giving two to the Spurs in Minnesota. Huh. I don't know about that one. I kind of like the Spurs there. Getting two points on the road in Minnesota. Anyway, you can wager on all of these lines if you go to mybookie.ag. Um, and of course... Right now is the best time to get in on the action because if you use promo code Overtime, they're going to match your first deposit up to $1,000, which is a lot of money. So you should take advantage of that. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid.